Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Awesome. It's good to see everybody here today. Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center. We're a refuge for healing. We're a launch pad for transformation. That means that everything we do is to connect you with God, make sure that He is moving and working in your life. I'm really excited about today's message. It's, um, this is hopefully some teaching that will help you navigate conflict and communication for the rest of your life in a healthy way. How many of you enjoy conflict? I got the one, the one dude who's like, bring it on, right? Uh, it's usually, you know, if somebody does like conflict, it's usually male. They're on the extreme end of, of, of the male side, um, unless you're Kim Spencer, of course. And then um, today, um, uh, we want to talk about communication and how we communicate. Um, I believe that it's really critical for us to understand in this season that communication actually comes uh, from the Father. Healthy communication is God being very honest with us. He tells us the truth, does He not? And He doesn't care necessarily whether or not you agree or disagree with the truth. He'll just tell you the truth. Regardless of how I feel about it, regardless, of, he just says, here's the truth. And we go, I don't like that, right? But he, it comes with a promise. Every time he tells us the truth, it comes with a promise. We're going to find freedom as we learn what's true, okay? In um, uh, John 8, and I want to read this real quick. I'm going to read out of the New King James here. John 8. 31 through 36 says this. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, say they believed him. Okay, this is, these are not the Pharisees he was arguing with. These are the ones that agreed with him. They believed in him. Okay. Say, I believe. That's awesome. I'm so glad. If he said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage. That's called self-deception, by the way. Okay, they're in bondage to Rome. <laughs> We've never been in bondage. Okay. We were slaves in Egypt, never been in bondage. I don't know. Yeah. All right. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. <clears throat> Romans chapter 6, one of the most, my most favorite passages in Scripture. Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who've died to sin live any longer in it? Wow. Do you not know? Do you not know that if you've been baptized into Christ Jesus, you've been 
crucified in the flesh, the old man is dead, and you've been raised to life in Christ Jesus, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so too you should also walk in newness of life, right? When we look at this, he says, if, he says, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. I just feel like we need to touch on this real quick here, and I want to quote it accurately. Um, that, was a, that was kind of a hodgepodge Bassett version right there. Uh, Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I got that one right. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man, say old man, was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Right? All right, I'm just going to touch on that because it just really buttresses this point of Jesus saying, whoever commits a sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever. Oh, man. Now we get into predestination arguments. Jesus says a slave doesn't abide in the house forever. Even though he's in the house, he doesn't abide in the house forever. Uh-oh. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to mess with some Calvin theology. All right. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Slaves can even be in the house and not know and not realize maybe They're not abiding forever. Sons abide forever. What makes you a son? Knowing the Father. Knowing God. Not just doing what you're told. Slaves obey. See, this is beautiful. Jesus says, listen. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. The next thing he says is, right here, John 8... Uh, where'd it go? Ba, bum, bum. Tell the truth, you don't believe me. I'm just winging it at this point, guys. Maybe it's, oh, it's John 15. That's right, John 15, where he says, I no longer call you, I, I don't call you a slave, I call you a friend. Right? John 15, here we go. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you, right? Verse 14, John 15, 14. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you, right? And this comes at the same passage that Lois read this morning, right before he dies, right? But earlier he says, Right? A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. The reason why freedom is so important, we have to know God and we have to learn how to live free, is because unless you are free, you are not powerful. If you are not free, you are powerless. If you are not free, someone else controls you. And you're not in power if you are not free. 
Slaves aren't free. They're in bondage. Are we good? Okay, you guys are like, where is he going? The reality about freedom and power is that it's very difficult to communicate if you are powerless. It is very difficult to tell the truth if you are powerless. If you are a slave, it is very difficult to tell the truth. It is very difficult to expose who you really are to other people. I love Matthew 12, 34. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Sometimes slaves won't speak because their heart is far away. Most of us were never taught how, nor given the opportunity to learn communication in our lives outside of a parental model that we, we witnessed and interacted with. That, most of us know how to communicate because this is how mom and dad did it, right? And some of us just groaned, a collective like, oh, right? And others were like, oh, it's all right, I'm good with that. What most of us don't grasp is that what governs our heart will either mask or expose the truth inside of us. Whatever governs our heart will either expose or mask the truth inside of us. Communication is about telling the truth about who you are, about what is inside of you. If you're governed by fear, then much of what you communicate is actually designed to hide what is really going on inside. I have a feeling I'm going to do a lot of that today. This is being recorded, right, Ben? It's being recorded. Okay, give me the thumbs up. Hallelujah. It's usually on YouTube by Wednesday, okay? If you're governed by fear, much of what you communicate is actually designed to hide what is really going on inside. You hold back. You pretend something doesn't hurt. Or you act happy when your heart is breaking in an attempt to avoid the pain that being real can inflict. It's also possible that we don't know how to interpret the language of our thoughts and feelings and emotions and desires. We struggle to put this stuff into words. And, our, and if, we do, if we have a hard time putting it into words, our internal reality is never validated. It's never given value. The reason why I'm preaching this series is to deal with manipulation, control, and deception. The whole reason for the whole series on honor is to deal with manipulation, control, and deception. And let me just tell you this. What we're going to deal with today is going to, I guarantee, every single one of us will go, oh, I think I'm this type of communicator, I'm that type of communicator, or I'm this type of communicator. We need to be able to have an honest conversation with the Lord first about who am I? How do I communicate? Because I want to, number one, I want to honor the Lord in everything that I say and do. Would you agree with that? Do you want to honor the Lord with your words? Yes, of course. And we want to honor one another with how we communicate. All right. So I know that today's there's going to be some heavy hearts and there's going to be some heavy things said. Listen, I, I, I'm going to preface this and I might have to say it a few times. Just remind you, I love you. And sometimes when we're dealing with things that, that often no one will ever talk about, it's hard. 
but the truth will do what? Set us free. Amen. So there is a plan, there is a goal today, and it's freedom. Amen? All right. So, as far as communication goes, we have to ask ourselves two questions. Number one, if you never really learn to value and understand what's going on inside of you, how can you have and understand how can, you, how can you understand what is going on in somebody else? How can you value and understand what's happening in someone else if you don't know what's happening in you? Right? That's question number one. How, how is that possible? Number two, if you don't know yourself, how can you get to know another person? Someone with a completely different experience or perspective and value the truth of who they are if you don't know yourself. Only those who value and understand themselves can value and understand others. As you mature, you get to know yourself, right? It's the challenge of the teenage years, figuring out who am I, lots of questions, and the world wants to shape and mold our our youth into a form that is not according to God's design. So then there, there's this quote, who am I? What am I? What am I attracted to? Who am I attracted to? Da, da. Like we, we have to flip that on its head and said, uh, you're attracted to God. Let's start there. Let's get you healthy with Jesus, right? Everything else will flow out of that. Okay, now. Only those who can communicate honestly with themselves can communicate honestly with others. Being able to value and understand what's going on inside of you, not the other person, and value the other person makes you a powerful person. Learning how to value and understand what's going on inside of you makes you powerful. You understanding their motive, their thoughts, and their intentions is great for the communication, right? But it doesn't make you powerful. What makes you powerful is knowing yourself. Okay, are we doing okay? You guys with me? All right. I'm going to do a lot of reading because I really want to make sure I get this accurate. Most, Most of us have a running cycle of unhealthy communication patterns in our world leading us to endless repetition of misunderstandings and being misunderstood. Anybody ever here feel misunderstood? I think it happens to me all the time, right? I'm like, oh man, and that's just with my wife. (laughs) I had a conversation with her yesterday. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like, what's happening right now? Because I feel like I'm the bad guy, but I'm not. Help me understand what's happening, right? It's just some stuff going on with Quinn and me and Mika and the family dynamic, and I'm like, how did that, what, what's happening? I was so confused. Well, I have to understand myself. Okay, well, I I know I can be short. I can be quick to answer, quick to solve a problem when they just want to be heard. I don't know any men like that ever, as I was just saying. Powerless people communicate out of the fear of the truth, and they primarily do it in three styles. Powerless people communicate with, with the fear of the truth as a foremost thought. 
Now, most of you wouldn't say that that's actually what you're afraid of, but this is, this is how it goes. And there's three main styles of communication that powerless people use because they're afraid of the truth. Number one, passive communication, passive. And then we have aggressive communication. And then we have passive-aggressive communication. Each style traces back to false core beliefs about the value of what is inside of a person, which is what God says about us. What's your value? What God put on you is your value. These styles cultivate fear and they destroy connection because they foster deception, not the truth. Many of these responses, of course, uh, let me just say this. Passive responses, aggressive responses, and passive-aggressive responses all come out. Uh, Most of the time, I see them as the result of some type of trauma, some type of difficulty in childhood, something that comes up, but but either you're powerless or you're powerful. We want to be powerful people, which means that we're receiving healing of trauma, okay? Now, Let's talk about passive communication. What does passive communication sound like? Everyone else is important. You matter, I don't. Passive communication insists that whoever you're talking to, that your counterpart, that their needs, desires, and wants are more important than yours. Passive communicators absorb wounds, offenses, and disrespect. They'll say things like, it's okay, don't worry about it. Let's just move on. Passive people justify devaluing themselves by painting themselves as long-suffering. Patient servants who keep the peace and don't ever make problems. They think it's right to have no needs or requirements from other people. I'm going to make a statement that's honest. might be difficult. Passive communicators are lying cowards. Lying. Why? They're not telling the truth. And they're afraid. Now, they lie about their needs and feelings because they are too afraid. Often they fear being punished for telling the truth. Others might view them as selfish or as a bad person. They believe it is noble to hide in the relationship. Since it's a lie, long-term, this communication style breaks down. And uh, inside will grow bitterness, jealousy, anger, envy, a lot of negative internal emotions for people who are passive communicators. Um, They'll be absorbing other people's selfishness, and it makes the passive communicator feel miserable in the relationship, then scared, and then after they're miserable and scared, now they'll take action. And when they take action, they will isolate, distance, cut it off. They won't tell you about it, they'll just cut it. Because they're passive communicators, they're not going to say it, they're just going to cut it. Story of a couple sisters in a lawsuit. Why? Because one sister borrowed money. 
and years went by, and the passive communicator never said a single word who loaned the money was the passive communicator, never checked in, never talked, never said, you know, the sister, kind of, the other sister had forgotten about it. Just, she's busy, had forgot. And the other sister, stewing, 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 angry, upset, bitter, files a lawsuit against her sister without ever saying anything about it. Been seven years, and she is justified. How dare she? Never once communicating. I can't count how many people have left a church without ever saying a word to anybody. Whoop. What happened? My, my first question being me is like, where's the log in my eye? What do I do? I want to find out. Did I say something? Am I, you know, oh no, everything's fine. Everything's great. No problem. And if you press them hard, well, God's telling me, right? Well, if God's telling me, just say that, right? Like, well, that's a great conversation. We want to we celebrate your next step. God's moving you on. Praise God. We're not against that, are we, church? No, not at all. So just, just there's some signs of passive communication style. They're afraid, right? And Often when they leave the relationship, they feel noble about it. I'm taking the high road. They're deceiving themselves. I know this isn't anybody in this room, so we're good. All right, so let's talk about aggressive communication, right? Uh, Aggressive communicators know how to get what they want. That's the best way to put it. They know how to get what they want. They make their desires and needs known. They will tell you, this is what I want. This is where I'm going. This is what, you know, they'll say it, whereas other people don't. They will often also bring with them some tools to make sure they get what they want, right? The aggressive communicator will often threaten, uh, give all types of reasons for, well, you've got to do it my way because blah, 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 blah. I I love people that are like, you need to do this because I had a pastor once that did. I'm like, whoa, calm down. I am not that other pastor. All right. Many people experience fear and anxiety around these uh, aggressive communicators because they're not sure what's, what's, how aggressive they're going to be. Is this going to be an easy conversation or a hard? Like, is it going to get aggressive quickly? We don't know. The wrong answer might come with consequences, so we tread carefully around aggressive communicators at times. If we lined up a communication food chain, aggressive equals T-Rex on the top roaring. T-Rex, right? And we got a passive communicator over here is the little little goat cowering. You want to know what's funny? The T-Rex and the goat get in relationship a lot. They end up to totally together. You know what's great is that they actually are in agreement. You know what they both agree on? The T-Rex is the most important person in the relationship. And unfortunately, the goat will say, well, you can have my limb. You can take my arm. It's okay. I don't need it. I got three. You know? Oh, you can have my hind leg. Okay. I'll try to hobble on opposite legs here for a while. Until there's no more goat left. And the T-Rex like, that was a great meal. What's next?
Both are motivated by fear and selfishness, and both are powerless. Okay? Now we have passive-aggressive communicators, and of course, this is the real special one. I mean, this is a little more complex, uh, uh, sophisticated, and more devious. It's the worst of the T-Rex and the worst of the goat blended in one. Right? So at the core belief of someone who's a passive-aggressive communicator, it says this. You matter. No, not really. I'll tell you you matter, but (laughs) you really don't. That's passive-aggressive communicators. They get what they want through manipulating and controlling others through active deceit and subtle but deadly forms of punishment. In confrontation to your face, of course, whatever you need. I'm happy to do that. No problem. It'll be fine. Afterwards, they might post about their victimhood on social media. They might key your car. They might tell everybody how horrible of a person you are behind your back. They'll do something to kind of hurt you because they actually didn't agree with you. They were nice to your face, but behind your back, no, they didn't. They get what they want through manipulating and controlling others through active deceit. Here's some signs of passive-aggressive communicators. They use sarcastic innuendos. Like they'll, you'll be like, let me, let me, I did not think this one through here. Um, I'll I'll, I'll use, uh, uh, sometimes people use sarcasm as a form of humor. Would you agree with that? I don't think all sarcasm is bad, but in a specific situation and you're having to ask and you kind of make fun of them a little bit, insinuating that they're being controlling or they're being, like you have some sarcastic kind of response and you insinuate something about them, right? That's actually passive aggressive behavior. I don't know if that makes sense. Hopefully it does. Veiled threats. Classic one in the church is manipulation of scripture to get what they want. Judgments that come in the form of counsel. Hey, I need to talk to you about something that's going on. I need to talk to you about that person over there because maybe you don't understand, like, this is what's really happening in them. This is what's going on in their heart, and this is their struggle, and and I just think you should just stay away from them. Right, that's a judgment coming out as, let me give you some counsel. I have pretty low tolerance with passive-aggressive uh, communicators. And, um, and I, one of the things that I actually like, this is one of the key things that I watch for with anybody that we install in leadership. One of the first things I want to find out what kind of communicator they are. Because if I notice over time that someone's not being honest with me to my face and behind my back saying something else, I do not want them anywhere near, near shepherding the hearts of people. 
don't want, I, mm -mm. nope, I, like tell the truth. So I tend to have very difficult, honest, forthright, assertive conversations, and it's all nice here, and then there's punishment involved, almost always, right? So passive-aggressive communicators, another key sign of a passive-aggressive communicator is that they will withhold love, they will withhold time, they'll withhold something to create a punishment for you. That's passive. They'll say everything's great, but then they withhold. Because they are sweet and everything looks great on the surface, it is hard for anyone else to see it. And if you trust your gut or put up a boundary, often people question your actions. Like, they're so sweet. Why would you do that? that oh my gosh, really? They're amazing. Why would you ever do that? Because I'm seeing what you're not. People often will question those actions because the veneer is so, so shiny about them, you know. And, um, you know, Danny Silk calls them chocolate-covered dragons, <laughs> which I think is just beautiful, beautiful chocolate-covered. You know, we got the T-Rex, we got the chocolate-covered dragon, and we got the goat. They look sweet, bubbly, nice in person, and behind closed doors, they are insinuating, criticizing, accusing, stonewalling, and sending mixed messages that would drive anyone insane. It doesn't make any sense. You say this, but then you're doing this. It doesn't make any, it just creates this immense tension when you're dealing with someone with conflict and passive-aggressive behavior. It's very difficult. I will say that often this happens to women with charming men who seem too good to be true. Sooner or later, that sweet flattery turns into aggressive control, manipulation, punishment, all types of things in order to maintain what they want. Yeah, yeah. So what's good communication? Good communication is assertive communication. Assertive communication says you matter and you matter and so do I. You matter and so do I. My thoughts, feelings, and needs matter and so do yours. I've had conflicts in the past where somebody just is so desperate to tell me what they think and and the minute that I, I would say, well, here's, the, here's what I'm feeling about this. Well, this isn't about you. And I'm like, but I, I have some thought. I, I've got needs in this relationship too, you know? So you learn how to kind of manage that too because as a powerful person, you should be able to tell the truth and empower other people to tell the truth too, right? So... Powerful communicators refuse to have relationships or conversations where both people do not have a high or equal value of, for each other. If you don't have a high or equal value for each other, why are we, like, we need to, this becomes kind of the, the baseline for healthy communication. I can have really good, intense confrontations with Anna Lee, and we've had many. 
just part of being in relationship for nine years or what, eight years or whatever. Ten years. For a decade, we've been hanging out, leading together. Okay, now leading means that there's more responsibility, and it means that there's often more friction. Okay, when there's more responsibility, huh, Lois? Pushback, that's what Lois, we just call it pushback from Lois. She's very assertive. So, so we can have conflict, but I value every word that comes out of her mouth, and she values every word that comes out of mine. Therefore, because we both are valuing each other, we have the freedom to tell the truth. Assertive communicators are not afraid to show what's happening inside of them. Therefore, they take time and effort in self-examination. If you're a powerful person, you want to figure out what am I feeling and how do I express this properly? Let me say that again because some of us have never actually had this thought. I should examine what I'm feeling and how to say it before I say it. Now, I'm a classic external processor, which is why I can go on a rant for the first five minutes thinking a thought and call it a sermon. I'm processing things out loud all the time, all the time. That's why I love whiteboards, because I can process and then look back and see what I just did, because I don't remember what I just said. (laughs) Right? Okay. As an external processor, I actually have to stop and think about what I'm feeling and how I want to say it before I just blurt it out and offend people, especially those with whom I'm in relationship. Powerful communicators are assertive communicators, and um, they insist on the people around them being powerful too. They insist on the people around them being powerful, not powerless. They refuse to be a T-Rex. They refuse to be a chocolate-covered dragon. They refuse to be a goat, and they confront those who slip into those roles. Assertive communicators might respond to somebody with a, who's a passive communicator with, okay, what are you going to do about it? For the T-Rex, the uh, assertive communicator might choose to say, I can only talk with you when you decide to be respectful. And they won't like that, but it's called a boundary. Hallelujah. Passive-aggressive person, an assertive communicator can say, we can talk later when you choose to be responsible and tell me what is really going on. If you love people, let your love be known. If you're committed to a relationship, declare your commitment and be honest. Be assertive. Set boundaries when you need to. But let your love be known. 
Listen, I can't count how many times I've had to say this. We've got a conflict. Number one, I love you, right? And, I'll, and I will tell people I love you. And listen, I always want to have a good relationship with you. So can we just take our relationship and the dynamic of our relationship? And I just want to put it on the shelf for a minute. It's not on the table. It's not up for discussion because I love you. I want to stay in relationship. But we got something we got to deal with here. So I'm going to put our relationship over here and let's have this conversation that might be a little difficult for both of us. Here's what's happening for me right now, right? I'm going to say, this has been difficult for me, and here's why. I don't want to make assumptions about their heart, motives, or intentions, but I just want to say, here's who I am, and here I'm just going to, okay, I'm going to take a big risk here. I'm just going to expose my heart to you right now. Because if there's a conflict, normally it's because it's close to the heart. So here you go. Here's what I got. But the relationship is off the table because I'm committed to being in a relationship and I'm committed to love you regardless of how this goes down today. Relationship is not on the table. So what is the first goal? Well, let me just say this. We have to set consistent boundaries if you're going to be assertive um, in conversations and around conversations to make sure it stays respectful, it's open and it's honest, and it requires both participants to equally participate in pursuing the primary goal of communication, which is understanding. We want to seek first to understand, not agreement. I'm not here to find agreement with you. I want to understand. Are you guys good with that? Seek understanding before agreement. All right. So with that, I want to give you guys a list on how to build conflict-resistant connection and to handle these types of communication difficulties. You guys ready? Our first goal in a conversation is to understand one another. My thoughts, feelings, and needs are valuable and important, and so are yours. I don't participate in disrespectful conversations. When my thoughts, feelings, and needs are devalued in a conversation, I will stop the conversation and set a clear boundary. Until respect is restored, I will not participate. And that's a hard one. I've cut off several conversations and said, this is not going into a place that's respectful and we're going to stop here. And as soon as we can figure out what's going on to get respect restored, we'll, we'll carry the conversation out later. How many of that just like scared the tar out of you? I mean, for some of us, like, Oh man, practice it. Practice it with your husband and wife or friend. Role play it. Get used to saying the words out loud. Helps. I'm just telling you, honestly, it does. We need to communicate our true feelings and needs to establish trust and intimacy. So, what we talked about last week, we need to communicate our true needs, our true feelings to establish trust and intimacy. Let me tell you this, it's my job to tell you what is going on inside of me. My job 
to tell you what is going on inside of me, your job to tell me what's going on inside of you. We do not have powers of telepathy. Telepathy. We can't read minds, right? We don't have the right to assume that we know one another's motives, thoughts, feelings, or needs. We don't have the right to make those assumptions. The best way to communicate my feelings and needs to you is to use I messages, clear, specific statements that show what I'm feeling and experiencing. I will not expect you to know my feelings and needs unless I've communicated them to you. I should have zero expectation that somebody else knows how I'm feeling. And yet that's where so many offenses come from. I've, I, I have literally no expectation for people to know how I'm feeling. I will not make judgment statements or tell you how you must change in order to meet my needs. Let me say it again. I will not make judgments. Okay, come on now. Wait, let me, because I don't know. I think this is a human condition. I will not make judgment statements or tell you how you must change. Listen, if you would just say it nicer. That's not, that, that's, that's not good. That's not how you address it. I just need you to do it. That's manipulation. See, I told you it was going to be hard today. My needs are important, but I have to tell you what my needs are. And then maybe we can have a conversation to discover how those needs could be met together. But I can't show up to the conversation saying, this is my need and this is how you need to meet it. Oh, I'm going to tell you how to meet my need, but I've never expressed my need. That's another classic. Hello. When you communicate your needs to me, it is my job to listen well so I can understand what you need. So I can understand how my life is affecting you. So I can understand what I can do to meet your needs. We have to listen to understand. And again, I'm committed to protecting and nurturing our connection. I will do what I need to do in order to keep moving towards you no matter what. So in the midst of the conflict, I'm actually going to try and create a way to move towards you instead of a way. Right? It's my job to manage my heart so that I can respond to you in love and cast out fear in our relationship. Okay. I think those tools alone will prevent most conflicts in relationships. Honestly, I had a great, Mika and I had a great conversation. Mika and I rarely have conflict. Um, and, and people notice that. Like our, the gal that's our tenant, she's like stopped us and we were talking. She's a, a landscaper and she redid a bunch of our bushes for us. It was like, <gasps> it was awesome. We were like, Hallelujah. I'm like, I don't know if it's the right time to trim it. Are we going to kill it? I don't know. She's like, we're talking and she goes, she goes, you know, what's nice living here is because 
I noticed that you guys never fight. Like, there's no, like, fight. And we just smile. We're like, yeah, we have conflict. But we've learned how to value each other. We've learned how to try to understand each other well. We recognize when we're moving into control or manipulation. We recognize when we're being a goat or a T-Rex. Yeah, I can be a T-Rex. I really wanted somebody to run across in one of the T-Rex suits. Every time you express your needs, set a boundary, listen, meet a need, or speak in one another's love languages, you are nourishing and exercising your connection. You're keeping it healthy and resistant to harm. And you know what? The world notices when you're healthy because they're looking for health. You know, Meek and I, we're having a great conversation, just talking about the way that we do communication. And uh, Meek and I kind of looked at each other and almost simultaneously said, it just keeps getting better. It just keeps getting better. Because we actually work on it. We take time to figure out how we're communicating and what's in our hearts and getting the log out of our own eye and desiring to glorify God in every conversation. Will you stand with me? We're going to close up. All right. Now, the whole purpose of this message is for us to grow. I already cast shame out before. Okay, we prayed for shame so if you're like, oh my gosh, I'm such a goat right now, okay, it's okay, right? Listen, it's okay. We understand that, and each of us is going to be growing in our ability to become assertive in our communication. Now, there's, there's something amazing about assertive communication is that when you make a point to love well, assertive becomes easy. It really becomes easy to tell the truth because you lead with your love. But can I just say that many of us need to receive some love in order to love well. Some of our hearts have been hardened. Some of our lives have been pushed since the day we were born into unhealthy communication. Right? We had modeled for us traumatic and abusive communication. Maybe you had modeled for you really good communication, but that first boyfriend was a controlling manipulator. He was a chocolate-covered dragon, and you're still recovering from that. Listen, all of these things are real. They're all things that we're all dealing with. There's nobody in this room that goes, I'm a perfectly assertive communicator. Nobody. I try to practice it, but I'm not great at it. So we we all need to grow in this, and we need to receive love from the Father. We need to know that you are unconditionally loved and accepted no matter how you've communicated in your past. No matter the patterns that you've seen in your life, you are loved, deeply loved by the Father. 
deeply loved by the Father. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you with our hearts kind of cut open a little bit today. We're seeing parts of ourselves and ways that we've done life and ways we've communicated. God, I I pray that the message today would take root and, and create some change in people. But God, we need you. We absolutely need your love in our life. We absolutely need you to come and flood our hearts and minds because God, we are so desperate for you. I can see my brokenness in how I communicate. I can see my brokenness in the ways that I've controlled and manipulated. I have seen the way that I've withheld love. I've seen the ways, God, that my heart has been hurt. And God, I need your love to come and fill me. And I pray, God, that you would begin to fill every person here with your love right now. Holy Spirit, come and just flood this place with your love. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.